with us. I see a lot of familiar faces. I see a lot of people I have no clue who you are and just high five even now. High five all over the room. Uh, we've already had church once this morning and it was awesome. Uh, we had a really killer time this early service and uh, probably going to have another really good time this morning as well. Probably going to have one of the shortest sermons ever. Is everybody all right with that? But it's but but here's what I need. I'm going to give you 12 minutes, but I need your attention. All right, cool. All right, here's what we got this morning. He's risen. We have to start there. He's risen. I see you, TC, with your suit. Look at that. Dang, man. Come on. No, I just, it's killer. I like it. He's risen, and because of that, this is a morning for shouting. That was pathetic. That's better. He's risen, and because of that, it's a morning for shouting. This is a morning for dancing. Nathan, where are you at? There you are. This is a morning for working up a lather. This is a morning for getting plum sweaty. When you leave this morning and you go home for Easter dinner, you should need to change your clothes. If you can sit down and Easter dinner without changing your clothes, it might be a barometer that points out that you don't fully understand what has happened. And so this is a day to celebrate. This is a day for laughter. This is a day for jokes. Like today at Easter dinner, you should tell jokes of all varieties. And this is a day for hope. And it's a day for hope because Jesus is alive. He was dead. And he wasn't just dead. He was stone cold dead. He wasn't sleeping. He wasn't resuscitated. He was dead. You could poke his body. Nothing would happen. He wasn't in a coma. He was dead. But now he's alive. And so it's a day. It's a day when hopes get restored. It's a day when everything that you thought was lost gets found. And not just found, but it's actually here. There's a lot of theology goes around and goes like this. It's resurrection day. And that means it's a day that hopes get restored and everything that's what you thought was lost gets found, but they never add that part of it's here. And that's the huge bummer. That's a huge bummer. By the way, heaven is not a place you go to after you die. Heaven is a place that joins you while you live. If you've been told anything other than that, you've been told a lie. Heaven joins us even now. By the way, if hell, how many of y'all have experienced hell before you died? I personally believe if you can experience hell before you die, you can experience heaven before you die. Anything less is a false gospel. And so it's a day to celebrate. It's a day that you should go to bed just a little bit hoarse. Today is a day that you should set off a few bottle rockets. If you have fireworks at home, you should go out and you should set them off. I'm not joking. Today is a day to set off bottle rockets. Today is a day to open that best bottle of wine, the one that you've been saving. You should open it today. Bubba, me and you, here we go. Today is a day to do something new, to try something you've never tried before. Like poetry.
I wrote some Easter haikus for you. I call this one Unexpected Easter. A brown soft bunny. A chick cheeps and hops and pecks. A man kills them both. I wrote this one for Justin. A man in the woods, a gun and axe in his hand. Nothing is moving. I don't know why I wrote this one. Hello, little bird. Who taught you to sing that tune? Was it your mother? I wrote this one because it's almost spring. The grass becomes green. Frost and snow melt unnoticed. Winter's over. And I wrote this one for the vineyard. At vineyard we shout. At vineyard we dream for more. God loves his vineyard. You see, today is a day to try something new like Poetry or knife throwing. (laughs) I'm not joking. You should go home today and you should try something new. It's a brand new day. There's new possibilities. Because Jesus got up, things are possible that just weren't possible before. You might dunk it from the free throw line. I don't know. Today's the day to pick up new habits. Habits like not worrying. It's official. I'm now addicted to not worrying. As of this very moment. Today is the day to forgive a few people. Heck, go ahead and forgive them all. Even the guy who owes you money. Just go ahead and forgive him. Let it go. It'll be a hilarious surprise. And you'll get to sleep. Today's the day to forgive the people who never really included you or accepted you. You should send them a letter stating that you think they're awesome. A letter that doesn't include the, I just wanted you to know that I've forgiven you paragraph. (laughs) And when you leave that part out, the good news is there'll be more room for you to say something awesome like, I love you. God has more for you. Today's the day to do something confounding. Like spend 30 minutes sitting on the couch pondering the resurrection of the Son of God and His coming kingdom. Seriously. Consider what would happen if heaven came to earth. What would you do if heaven came to earth? And then after you've considered that, you should go out and do it. Because heaven has come to earth. And some of what you dreamt about might just be possible and it might be the invitation of the Spirit into a new kind of life. Today is a day to wipe tears out of your eyes and let laughter do a deeper work. Go ahead. Laugh a little. Laugh a lot. (laughs) 
Laugh till you feel embarrassed. Laugh till you get one of those little snot bubbles right on the end of your nose. Laugh till you end up with sore ribs. You should laugh like that because the Son of God has been raised up and the calendar is flipped, the seasons have changed, and it's an utterly new day. Now know this. No matter what you know, and no matter what you think you know about this moment, about this resurrection, no matter what your father told you, no matter what your mother told you, no matter what the Sunday school teacher told you, no matter what any preacher anywhere, no matter how nice his suit was told you about this resurrection, there's an element of this resurrection that is still blind and unavailable to us. It's true that the resurrection makes everything illuminated and new, but it's also a light that's so bright that it's blinded us. We look for sunglasses to break things back to within reason, but none can be found. We ask God to put a veil on the one like Moses wore, but all such material has been torn into from top to bottom, from heaven to earth, and we are left with nothing but the light. Consider the women at the tomb who went to spice the body of Jesus, but met angels instead. We can put that up. In verse 5, the angels say, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? You should underline that if you have an actual Bible. Like a paper one. A real one. And if you just have the digital fake one, just double click that. Remember how he told you when he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And when they, when they heard it, they remembered his words. You see, you and I, just like these women, we have been told things but not heard. And we've looked but not seen. Consider also the men on the road to Emmaus going home, hopes and dreams shattered. Yet on that road, all seven miles, Jesus is with them. Good news this morning. If you're disappointed, Jesus is always with you on the road to disappointment. Always. Right by your side. You may not be able to recognize him, but he's right there. Jesus is with them, and he teaches them as they go. And as they went, they just simply walked. One of the things you also notice is this, is that Jesus is often doing a really deep work at the pace of normal life. Oftentimes, the deepest work of Jesus is happening at the pace of normal life, and it causes us to miss the glory. And then later, later that very day, he's standing with his own, his best friends, the 12 disciples who walked with him for three and a half years. And on the very first Easter, the disciples thought that they had seen a ghost. A ghost. But it was Jesus. He'd even told them multiple times, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be dead, I'm going to be stone cold dead, and then I'm going to get up. And when he shows up, they think he's a ghost. Why? Because sometimes the bright light of the resurrection, sometimes the bright light of the resurrection makes it seem like it's more possible that a ghost would be in our room 
than the raised up Son of God. One of the things we should notice this morning is that every single character in the story gets blinded by the light. Every single character gets blinded by the light. Every single character had grown accustomed to the grief and darkness, so much so that the brightness of the Son of God raised up was like dilated eyes in noonday sun. See, here's the deal. When you're looking for a body in a tomb, when you're looking for a body in the tomb, the raised up Son of God looks like a ghost. And by the way, if it happened to them, it could happen to us. One question we should ask ourselves on Resurrection Sunday is this. What am I missing? How is it that the things I'm looking for are keeping me from seeing from the things that God is showing? If you're looking for a body in a tomb that you can spice, the resurrected, the resurrected Son of God will look like a ghost. Oftentimes what we're looking for keeps us from seeing what God is showing. And here's the good news this morning. The good news is that He doesn't leave us blind. He speaks to women and He makes them apostles. And He doesn't leave us blind. Because he breaks bread with disheartened travelers. And he doesn't leave us blind because he offers his wounds to his very best friends. And all of those moments, the blinders fall off and people can see. See, what we need, church, is we need Jesus even on this happy day of resurrection. We need him to come and reveal himself. Most of us realize that we needed Jesus when we were still in sin. What most of us don't realize is that we need Him even more living in the light of resurrection. Otherwise, you'll end up blinded by the light looking for things that God isn't showing. We needed Jesus on the earth to show us how to live. And we needed Jesus on the cross to cleanse us from our sins. And we needed Jesus raised up to give us new life. And we need Jesus right here today to guide us in such bright light. Here's the extra good news. There's a place where everybody in the room can see the resurrected Son of God. There's a place of revelation. And there's a place of seeing. There's a place of hearing. And there's a place of knowing. Even if the light is blindingly bright. And it's the table of the Lord. At the table, he opened up the eyes of the downcast disciples. I want to read a scripture to you out of Luke chapter 24, verse 30. After they had walked seven miles on the road to Emmaus, it says this. It says that when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Where do we see the Lord? We see the Lord at the table. There's a place of communion. And the reason we see the Lord in communion is because we reflect upon His life and we reflect upon His death. And there's something about being able to see the Son of God even on the cross that begins to illuminate you and set yourself up to see Him as the resurrected Son of God. 
And there's also something about coming together with the family of God that allows you to see God. You should look to your left and to your right. You know who's next to you? It's not just a person. It's a person filled with God. And there's an aspect of who God is that's hidden in every single person. And if you miss it in the people who are sitting next to you, you just might miss Jesus. And so we come to the table... We come to the table and we remember Jesus and he shows us himself. But we also come to the table as a family knowing that every single person around the table, every single person who grabs bread and juice or wine, which is better, is a son and a daughter of God who carries something of who he is. Amen? Amen. If we could have the band come on up. We're going to come to the table of the Lord this morning because he's going to show us something and he's going to reveal himself. We could also have the people who are going to serve this morning. Grab communion. Here's how we do it at the vineyard. We're going to have 12 stations all around the room. You can go to anyone that you like. There are no rules except one. You can't go alone. No one receives communion alone because no one is alone in God's family. Psalm 68 says this, that he takes the solitary and he sets them into families. If you see someone alone, grab them and pull them into your group. If you are alone and no one has pulled you into your group, go and weasel your way into someone's group. Like for real. You should weasel your way in. Because that's how we do it. Why don't you stand up this morning?